0: This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. If it's happened once, it's happened a dozen times, um, maybe even countless times. A person will walk up to me at the end of an event, usually a parish mission or some sort of youth ministry training or an adult event, primarily, sometimes at youth conferences. But the conversation typically goes like this. Um, You know, I have an adult child or I have an older teen or a young adult who went off to college and they've completely sworn off their faith. They want nothing to do with Catholicism. They have no desire to be active in the church. And sometimes they'll you know, this this person, this parent or grandparent will go so far as to say they even resent me for raising them Catholic. I and mean, then there's kind of a pause and then the million dollar question. What do I do? I think whoever can come up with that answer to what do I do with my disaffiliated from the faith adult or young adult or teenage child uh, would probably win the Catholic lottery uh, and sell a million books. So somebody write that. Uh, we didn't write a book about it, we just interviewed a couple about it. Damon and Melanie Owens sat down with me to share some thoughts about raising kids in the faith. And and to be quite honest, their, their secret sauce answer, their million-dollar answer wasn't necessarily, you know, teach them ten lines of Latin a day and sing chant at bedtime, although both of those things would probably be very good. Their answer was actually really profound and simple. And you'll hear it in today's episode, and just as a little preview, it's not what you think. Instead, it was much, much more pure of heart, involving a child's heart, involving mom and dad praying for their child's heart, and entrusting their child to the Lord. And I think as we do this Catholic Family Life series, we've heard some feedback from people like, we, you know, we really enjoyed these conversations. This is great. There's such good practical advice. And there is, absolutely. And there's more to come. But when we talk about Catholic Family Life, we've said it in every episode, and I'll continue to say it, every family is different. And every couple that we've interviewed and every mom or dad or single person that comes on this show and shares with us what they've experienced in Catholic Family Life that's their unique story that we can then, of course, extrapolate our own experiences. But what's beautiful, the through line through all of this, is that creative uniqueness that we experience within the family. Damon and Melanie Owens were a joy um, to talk to. They, they run a marriage ministry, Joyful Ever After. They live up in Pennsylvania. They've got eight wonderful children and, and really just beautifully shared the story of their marriage, both the good times and the bad of, of how they're a homeschooling family, so they've, they've educated their children from within the home and the challenge and the joy that that has been, and then also sharing how within the home, within the culture of a family, so much can grow and develop, especially this desire to give your children over to Christ. I really, I really enjoyed having this conversation with them, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to it. And of course, as a reminder, this is all part of our Ave Explorer series on Catholic Family Life, the content of which you can find over at AveMariaPress.com, articles, videos, other podcast episodes, special social media profile exclusives, things that really help you unpack and explore the beauty and the depth and the richness of Catholic Family Life. Um, today's episode is one that I wish I could just hand on a jump drive or send the RSS feed to every person who comes up to me at an event and says, "What do I do about my Catholic kids who are no longer Catholic?" Well, Damon and Melanie Owens offer a bit of an answer. I'd also hand this episode to the couple who says we're kind of in a rut, or the couple who says there's a little bit of resentment and hurt, or to the single person who's who's discerning married life or even even a a religious vocation or the single life what they have to offer today is insight about healing insight about joy and insight ultimately about giving our hearts to jesus christ and lighting a fire within our hearts within our families within our marriages within our kids within the lives of our friends so without further ado a great conversation part of ave Explorers catholic family life series with damon and melanie owens Damon and Millie, oh, thanks so much for, for joining us on the show.
1: Thank you for having it's us. Great it's really, oh, a yeah, delight.
0: So, y'all are coming to us, I think, from Philly, right? Are y'all in the Philly area or the Pennsylvania yeah, area? Everybody but in Philly counts
1: us as Philly, but uh, <laughs> we're we're about an hour south, so we're country people near the Amish and the Mennonites. We're
0: right,
2: yeah, we're right near Delaware, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My husband's
0: from Scranton, so I kind of know the uh-huh. area. There you go. Um, but he would probably say, "Oh, they're not Philly folk." Not exactly. 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 Everybody
1: right. except Philly folks counts this as Philly folks. So.
0: Like New York, right? You've got to be in the city to say that you're a proper New Yorker. True. But well, yeah. it's it's wonderful to meet you guys. Y'all are. It looks like you're sitting in in your living room. I'm gonna guess or an office. Oh, it is the office. I wish I had a fireplace in my office. Uh, No, you don't.
1: It's leaking. It's leaking. Oh, so it doesn't work. Okay.
0: (laughs) Just a nice look. Uh, Very, very formal looking. Tell me a little bit about yourselves. If I were to bump into you in the grocery store and we struck up a conversation pre-COVID when you could
2: talk to people. Uh, That's right. That's the math. Right. right. Who who would I have just met? Um, So we are Damon and Melanie and we've been married for 27 years And we've been blessed with eight children.
1: All boys except the first seven.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, so seven girls and one little boy at the end and um, six biological, two adopted. And we adopted them as infants infants, and um, they're just the joy of our life. Um, All of our kids are, Uh, our oldest just got married not quite a year ago. So we have a new son. And, and he no- calls me
1: dad too, which is <laughs> awesome. You hear a male voice say, hey, dad. That's
2: great. That's great. And we are a homeschooling family. We've been homeschooling from the very beginning. And um, that has been quite challenging, um, but also quite a blessing. And what else, Damon?
1: I'm an engineer, a recovering engineer. I've been full time <laughs> ministry though since uh, 2002. And former uh, executive director of the Theology of the Body Institute, which animates a lot of work I do and full time speaking, as I said, since about uh, O2. About awesome. So and we're currently executive directors of the Theology, I'm sorry, of, of <laughs> Joyful Ever After, which is our brand new ministry uh, really directed to helping couples live lifelong, joyful marriage and we were so excited to sponsor the Catholic Marriage Summit mm-hmm. uh, virtual conference last month with uh, 39,000 uh-huh. couples so yeah. it was a great and way my to launch and an and I were,
0: we were one of those couples we tuned Yay. in um, and Yay. loved it it was yeah. kind of like we've been stuck together in the house for 4 months we need something that wasn't <laughs> the office to watch and like maybe talk about um, yeah. Yeah. So it, was, it was a real it was a real gift tell me a little bit about that jump then damon engineer to ministry like what was that and then Melanie, how did you feel about your husband coming home and saying, I'm going to work for Jesus?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I haven't thought, thought about that for a while. It was a huge transition uh, personally, uh, even just as a man, to be honest with you, I had a lot of identity wrapped up in uh, two engineering degrees, Ivy League, AT&T, Bell Labs, you know, moving up the whole corporate ladder. And there was a lot of ego wrapped up in, in that identity. But it was around 96. I was about 10 years in working, and um, I had started to get this, this through pre-K. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, Melanie and I were speaking literally every weekend mm-hmm. in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, not Connecticut so much, Pennsylvania.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, um, and we got this, I, I, it was awakened, this teaching charism that I never knew that I had, that, you know, especially around topics that I love. So I think we started to get the bug around 96, but could no way afford it. We just started having kids. And it took about uh, five years, 2001. And there was a big downturn in the industry. And I ended up, like in best times, I started my own engineering company with a bunch of other guys. And we did really, really well and ended up getting bought out about a year later. Mm. So it was sort of like that, that curve that allowed me to say, okay, all right, I'm 34, 35, whatever. And I said, who do I want to be when I grow up? And Melanie was like, "Look, this is this is your gift. You need to give this—you never a ministry, but speaking, I guess—a try." And I looked at it like, "There's no identity in that. There's, what am I going to be like a Catholic speaker? What, we, what is <laughs> who that?" <does> that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you think about it. Night in two thousand two, who was out there? I mean, Christopher West just started coming out. He wasn't huge yet. It was Mary Beth who was out. Right. Uh, you know, Matthew Kelly was already pretty established, but it wasn't a thing. Right. It was. It wasn't a thing. So. Um, the, the decision really was very local. I said, Well, if I'm going to do it, let's make a business of this. I want to do New Jersey Natural Family Planning Association. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even ministry as much as it was mm-hmm. putting some organization around natural family planning, around all the disparate groups, and really trying to appeal to couples. And I kind of, it wasn't direct ministry, it was very much sort of organizing. And then very quickly, we just got drawn back into the marriage space, into direct ministry, and we realized, Oh, this is a calling. So if anything, you caused it.
2: It was my fault. <laughs> yeah, I think in the, in the beginning, we were doing the pre together. And I think I was pregnant with my fifth one where I couldn't go out anymore. I was just way too exhausted. It was just taking way too much energy from me. And um, and then you started going off on your own and doing it. And then you know we, we realized that you definitely had a gift. And it's similar to engineering when he speaks because he has to break down these complex uh, theological topics and make it, you know, just, just bite-sized pieces, pieces for everybody to understand. And you you definitely have a gift for that. Um, And yeah, and I did encourage him because I knew that, you know, deep in my soul that he was being called out to do that. And um, yeah, little did I know all of the, (laughs) all of the trials financially and traveling and home away. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was, those struggles were there. but but, Yes, God definitely called him for that. And um, using his gifts that we didn't know that was was there before. Yeah. So let's, can we dig into that for a little bit? You got
0: five kids um, at the time. Your husband is traveling. I travel about a hundred thousand miles a year in non-pandemic times. So I know exactly what you're facing with single parenting on a weekend and then husband, wife comes home and it's exhausting because they're exhausted. So what what did those years, what did you both learn about balance and making it work in what I would say would probably be like the challenging
2: time, um, even if it is good, like there's some challenges there? Oh, yeah, definitely challenges. And and I don't know if we ever reached a balance, because in the beginning, you know, whenever a talk request would come in, we were like, take it, it take it. it. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> <we> <laughs> exactly. We needed it. Um, so there wasn't really balance there. Um, and I was excited for him. I was excited to see these, these gifts that he was using. And, um, and he would tell me stories of people who were, who were, you know, having these transformations. And that was great for me to hear that. But at the same time, yes, being at home with with five little ones, um, five under, you know, seven years old. And, um, I would get resentful <laughs> and he would come home tired and, I would be tired and he wanted to rest and I wanted respite. And, and we didn't communicate very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were both, you know, I was like, well, when are you going to go out again? I can't wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then you hate the thing that actually provides you just some distance. Yeah. yeah.
1: There. <laughs> you know, too. I think it, it, it triggered both of us and we can speak about this now, honestly, mm-hmm. um, after probably, you know, 15 years now, just still continuing with uh, a lot of hurts, a lot of wounds, but in, in all honesty, We've been really, really blessed in some healing over the last year, year and a half that stretches through that time, mm-hmm. if not even earlier, because it in that time there was a lot of anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. that I had. And my, you know, my sort of mode of thinking and family of origin, temperament, personality, all that stuff is very much look, you're the man, you provide, you do what you gotta do, and you get home because you've got the most amazing wife. She's keeping this house you know, beautiful lockdown and everybody's on tight and uh, you do your thing and I do my thing. And then together the whole thing is a thing. You know, I had this whole vision of what it meant and that caused me, you a lot of wounds because- Yeah,
2: I didn't know his vision.
1: <laughs> well, it was a team, you kept saying team and I'm thinking bas- baseball team. You got a pitcher, you got a you catcher, you know and you're thinking basketball team, like pass the ball. <laughs> Tell me all about your day. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to recap that. I want to be home. You're
2: like, what are you keeping from me? I'm like, nothing. Yeah, like I said, we, we, we didn't communicate well. And in the in these years that we've worked through all of this, um, yeah, Damon had a lot of anxiety uh about you know providing for the family. And I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just I was immersed in 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 my kids and, and homeschooling and trying to keep the house running while he was gone. And I wanted to know about his travels and I want to know about your you know, your days. And it was very frustrating because I felt like I was alone. I felt like those years, you know, you left me and, and I had to do this all on my own. So I felt like you didn't even want to hear what I had to say. Um, you know, whatever happened with the kids, because your work was more important. So we were, we were not communicating. And I was the exact well.
1: opposite. It's with, you know, the devil just puts like these wounds together. Mine was the opposite. Like what I'm doing out here, once I'm done, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff's going to be, I wanted to get back home. And I really did. And mm-hmm. in my heart and my mind, this was the most important person in my life. Mm-hmm. My house was the most important. I had beautiful girls. You know, I was all that. So I wanted to put all that behind me. But when I was doing that to be home, it, it hurt you. It alienated you. It made you feel like I was keeping something from you. Or like, that was, okay. I'm thinking you're more important. You're thinking I'm more important. It sounds mm-hmm. so romantic and noble, mm-hmm. but it caused some serious wounds in yeah. both of us about being appreciated. Being affirmed, um, and you know whether we're good enough. Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we are we really fulfilling you know our our wedding vows? Because we started to know too much, you know, about our faith and what we're supposed to be, and, and that can cause real anxiety, like it did with us.
2: Yeah, you know, people would say, "Oh, you know, it's so great." Damon's out seeking, and I heard him say this, or I heard him here. And I, you know, inside I would say, yeah, but he's never home and he might be saying these great things, but you know, we're, I'm suffering here and I can, I didn't feel like I could share that with anybody. Why would I share those, those pains with anybody? Mm. Um, so it it just, it took us a long time. I don't even know if we worked it out at, during that time, but it did take us a long time to just acknowledge those hurts and those
1: pains. I would say too, we had coping mechanism. So we had things we would do to cope. So we would get things like, um, it took a while to get to, well, at least call me when you get to the hotel. Uh, if you're going out to dinner, who, who are you going out with? You know, what? where are you? What's a good time to call you? I think I'm bothering you when I text you and call you. And, and you know, I get to the hotel and I collapse because it's half a job traveling yep. to a place. And then the host, you know, hey, let's go to dinner. And I'm like, oh, good Okay, fine. You know. Right. So then he I went home with, you know,
2: <laughs> we're eating, you know, gluten-free cereal for dinner. <laughs> and he calls me and says, wait, my steak is coming, gotta go. <laughs>
0: yep. I I was in England last fall and got to go. My husband is a theater teacher, he's biology and a theater teacher, and I got to go to Stratford upon Avon. Uh-huh. Um, and it took everything in me to not be like texting him the whole time. Like, look at this and look at this. Cause it's like, I feel really guilty that I get to be here right now. And you're yeah. in a classroom with a bunch of kids. And then you're going to go home to a toddler who's probably going to be mad. Cause mommy, so yes, I, yeah. I feel yeah. like you guys are us. 25 years in the future, and I'm going to call you when we get back on the road to Please. figure this out. Please. I thank you for your honesty, because, I mean, as you're talking, not only am I relating, but I know that there's other couples out there who are like, yep, I feel that. I've seen that. I'm in the midst of that. What was the prompt for healing then? What kind of brought um, peace? I don't even know if peace is the right word, but what was the trigger to then say, okay, we got to fix this? and And then how did that happen?
2: Yeah, I think we had moments during that time of when we were both on the same page, when we were both, you know, we were both communicating and, um, you know, and I would try to hold on to those, those moments, but I think just, you know, just the amount of um, years that have passed by. And at some point I think I was just done with everything. (laughs) And I was just, you know, the hurts had built up, the resentment had built up and I was just done. And, um, he doesn't like when I'm not happy. So. I hate it when she's not happy. If like, Mom's not happy. Nobody's happy. Mom's, no, listen, hey,
1: it's like she, you know, I may be, you know, a, a, a thermometer. She's a thermostat. It's like she'll set the temperature, and that's just what the temperature is. So she doesn't believe that, but it's true.
2: So yeah, so we just we you know we we had to get honest with each other, and um, you know, Damon, you would tell me what you were thinking, and I'd say wow, I wish I had known that. <laughs> I wish I had known you were going to that. I wish, you know, I wish I could have helped you with that, or I wanted to help you with that, and and I think there was a long time where, you know, I was homeschooling, and you had no idea what I was doing. Nope. You had no idea what but I was I'm doing. I'm bragging the
1: heck out of you on the road <laughs> like everywhere, about the, but i sat in with the homeschools, like, this homeschool is the bomb. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, she was
2: Oh. Yeah, well, I remember we got out to breakfast one time, and I remember you said, "Okay, tell me, tell me everything you do." And I was telling him everything that I did. You know, joining um, for each child a new curriculum every year, trying to figure out where they are, and and I remember you saying, "Wow, you do all that?" I'm like, "Yes, for the past how many years I've been, doing. and you know nothing of this. It's been my whole life." <laughs> so
1: well, I, it, the real the real awakening that was a big one. Yeah, but is substitute teaching when I come into substitute teach. And these kids go on like autopilot for you know the prayers, the curriculum, what they do next, and blah but I'm looking at them like, man, I went to public school. And <laughs> I was, I, you know, I you're you're a superstar if you show up before the bell rings, you know. So that's it's it's really there it was an awe, there's a real awe about that, but there's also a distance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds well, like there's some open communication, like some honesty of you can't hide those things in marriage. You can't you can't let that resentment build. Well, yeah, but it does.
1: Yeah. So that's, I think that to answer your real question is the building of the resentment that really caused the crisis in both of us. And, you know, you only get, when you start fighting about the same stuff over and, and over, over and yeah. over, mm-hmm. and then you come to the same conclusions and then you break down again and you fight again about this, there's a certain fatigue where it's like, yeah. and I don't mean like months and years, I mean like a decade
2: mm-hmm. where it's like,
1: we've been fighting for this since 19, like 1998. Why are we still fighting about this? Yeah. It's because it's not resolved. Yeah. And there, the resentments can be, it's hard to forgive. It's hard to, um, certainly not to forget, but it's hard to believe that that solution-focused answer in those moments of clarity is actually going to happen. Yeah. So at, at some point you realize you get to a different level. We got to a different level of, um, I don't even know what to call it. It's not argument, it's not fighting. It's just a recognition that we have to get to a different level of healing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, God in his beauty and his, and his mercy Really, it's providence. He brings people into your life like he did for us. It mm-hmm. gives us just what we need when we need it. You know, um, you know, we, we're just big students of you know Dr. Greg Popchak mm-hmm. and his great stuff there. Uh, Greg Bataro, Dr. Bataro, uh, Dr. Bob Schutz. If your listeners don't know Bob shoots down in Tallahassee. He wrote a piece for
0: us in, uh, oh. in our mental health series, his book on, um, on healing and uh, like transformative. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So these things, and I'm not sure we would have been ready for that five mm-hmm. years ago, 10 years ago. So these things started to come in and then we really started to find friends, real friendships in other couples where it wasn't professional. It wasn't ministry specific related. Mm-hmm. It was really like, man, I'm blowing this. What do I got to do? Um, and I think the other breakthrough for us was, was, um, levels of forgiveness that we could hear in truth, what the other is saying that Mm -hmm. I know you've said this, that makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I can't, I hear what you're saying. I can repeat it back to you, but that makes absolutely no sense to me. And moving from, um, moving from sort of that intellectual, factual, resolution and compromise to the emotional connection. Mm. And, and, it, and this, I'm trying to figure out how deep I want to get into this, but it's for me, it was transformative mm-hmm. that connecting at that level of, of feeling of what does it feel like for you? What was that feeling? And really for me, I have to dissociate facts I have to act willfully dissociate. Well, that actually wasn't what I remember happening. Mm-hmm. I know not to say that didn't happen. That's, that's...
2: you were wrong, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's a really okay. male versus female way to process it. I, again, I've I fought that exactly. way with my husband. Like you have to, I need you to yeah. enter into my feelings right now and recognize, yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah, I've heard that forever. I had two sisters, I heard that forever, but it's so true. Mm-hmm. It is so powerful. When I am able to have either the courage or the will to, to, you know, forgo, you know, defending myself and getting the record straight in order then to get to a solution. That's how my engineering male brain works. I was like, mm-hmm. you're not going to solve anything unless you get the facts correct, you get the order correct, and then you, you come to a solution. And that's not relational, especially with with men and women. It very much is, it's if any many ways, it's more powerful mm-hmm. to be in uh, agreement on that emotional piece. And, and it's just a new skill I've had to had to learn
2: yeah, I, I think for me, I needed to be able to trust you that you were going to hear me, mm-hmm. because I felt like if I started to talk and you defended yourself, then no matter what I said, you just you were defending yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just it was really making myself vulnerable to you so that you can um, so that you could hear me. And, uh, and then doing the same for you, too, and really hearing you and hearing that, yeah, you had a side. You had feelings in all of this where I thought it was just me who was feeling that. So, um, yeah, it was definitely we, we were stretched <laughs> in, a, cool. in a very good way. Yeah. And we continue to be stretched in a, in a very good way. And that's how
0: virtue grows in the stretching. I hope you're enjoying this very honest conversation with Damon and Melanie Owens. Um, As we were doing the interview it was fascinating how open they were and and willing to be vulnerable and really share their hearts about ways that they've worked through different things within their marriage and and they only get more real as this conversation continues so I, I hope you stay tuned for the rest of the episode. As always, we want to remind you that you can get all of the Ave Explores content over at AveMariaPress.com. You'll find articles, videos, other podcast episodes, excellent content that really unpacks the concept and the idea of the uniqueness of the the Catholic family and what makes a Catholic family holy and and all of the different versions and iterations of it within this world. So click on over to AveMariaPress.com to find all of that great content and to sign up for our series for free. And in the midst of all this, you've got kids. It's not just a couple isolated, right? There's children exactly. who study these things and who know these things. And um, and I only have one younger sister. Uh, my mom couldn't have more kids. So I have no frame of reference for what a house of eight kids looks like. That's also being homeschooled. So I want to hear the Owens family plan. How do you make that work? And then I also want to dig in a little bit on the homeschooling bit because I know... A lot of people are launching themselves into that in this coming year yeah. Um, yeah. because of what's going on in the world. And if you've done it with eight kids for this long, then you probably have a system in place.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I could say we did, <laughs> we do, but um, we we started homeschooling from the very beginning, and um, we just said every year we were going to pray about it and see where we were, you know, child wise, that particular child, and family wise. And, um, and We did that
1: deliberately because yeah. we wanted to stay open. Yeah. we weren't doing it react. We weren't reactionary homeschoolers, mm-hmm. as we call right. it. We weren't sort of you know throwing our hands up and quitting. We were meeting homeschool families back in the mid '90s, yeah. and these were like the rogue families where you know <laughs> it took a lot of gumption in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to you know, where we're, so we so were, we were, we admired the kids, that, and the yeah. family life, we
2: admi- admired the teenagers, the respect for the parents, and, and we're
1: like, Can we do this? Yeah, I mean, I'm public school, you went to Catholic schools, mm-hmm. I mean, can we do this? And it really was a sense like, you know what, if this is right for us, it'll affirm itself every year mm-hmm. for each child. So we said, For each year, we're going to look at this, and honestly, God has provided and consoled each of those years for each of the children that it wasn't a binary in or out, it was very much. You know, what's the math program that you need right now? What's yeah. the, you know, the, the narrative or the Charlotte Mason, or the, you know, what is the, the mm. particular, and there's so many resources now that the decision to homeschool well is probably harder yeah. than <laughs> the actual hard homeschooling, uh, you know, discernment.
0: So there's
2: yeah, a real discernment yeah. with each kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and family-wise, so, you know, where were we, you know, as a family, were we moving? Were we, you know, adopt, you know, how is this going to affect our upcoming year,
1: um, we're not, we, we put kids into some schools, different, not public schools, but, you know, mm-hmm. charter schools and some co-op schools because, you know, particular extrovert this is the basketball player. This is the volleyball player. This one has got to have people around because she just is just like, you know, oh. and, you know, seven siblings isn't enough. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they're all, enough different. <laughs> they're all different. <laughs> Well, I love that,
0: though. That's parenting. I mean, there's no cookie-cutter way to do it, and there's no cookie-cutter yeah. kid. Like, every kid does have a different... So yeah. what what does a homeschooling day look like for you guys?
2: Um, I think it's it's probably changed over the years, but, um, you know, the basics are the same, where, where we will have morning prayer, we'll have um, a morning offering, we do scripture reading, um, we might read a history book, um, we might... Um, what else um, really, you know we might discuss what we did over the weekend what we liked what we didn't like oh we, we say what we are thankful for um, we might do a spiritual communion and then we go into our subjects of um, math and um, and I'll work with you know the kids individually if they need that so the, um, they have work that they do individually and then they have work that they do with me so independent work, independent work right mm-hmm. So you know they can do that while I'm working with whoever needs knees work, or you know, in between, I'll run and do laundry, or <laughs> or start dinner, or something like that. And then, um, you know, we come back together. We'll usually have Angelus in the middle of the day, and then at noon, and then we'll have um, our afternoon our afternoon um, subjects. And sometimes that's history. We'll we do it all together as a group. We'll do another reading, uh, all together reading. Um, and uh, let's see what else. And um, yeah, and then the kids will usually do their individual. Sometimes they have, you know, they're into art. So they'll do painting and, they, and whatever their individual hobbies are, they'll do that. Or if, you know, somebody needs to be at work, you know, I'll drive somebody to work at, in the afternoon or, you know, when they were younger, it was naps or, or whatever. Sometimes, you know, I need to, to take a nap. So it's just, you know, we end at, you know, different times. But that's basically the
1: structure. I think what's, what's interesting is that um, how it's changed over the years. Like mm-hmm. in the very beginning you know, we made the decision that a lot of it was reading, a lot of it was reading to the kids through books, it was narration, it wasn't so much the formal schoolwork when you've got, mm-hmm. you know, three kids under five, and it's mm-hmm. not sort of the rigorous at all, but it's about right. getting them uh, to, to to learn and to be able to tell stories, the, narrate, the narrative was, was, narration was big, and then the specific, you know, them learning how to read, them doing basic fundamental math things, but what I think was beautiful, I've seen, is that as they get older, the other goal was to get them into this independent work. Yeah. So it was always this sense of the younger one had the most attention, and then it would—it's meant to diminish depending on the kid, right, or the subject. But there's this—this this is inertia, if you will, mm-hmm. to get them to independent work in whatever subjects. But I also want you to don't want to diminish what you do at the beginning of every year and the end of the year in assessing what's going to happen and you're going to try during that year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of preparation in the uh, July-August time frame for each of the kids, for each of the subjects, for the entire day what they're working on, and then the execution. What you were saying for each of the each mm-hmm. of the kids, and I think that plays a big part because if you're trying to engineer while you're doing it. It's uh, it's almost impossible.
2: Yeah. We've had to do that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think our our learnings or teaching style, learning style has always been for our kids. You know, we're not trying to to fill a bucket. You know, we're trying to light a fire with them. So Mm. reading has always been a huge part of our homeschool. So, you know, good books, good classic books. And um, even when my kids were getting into high school, you know, if they read John Steinbeck, they would want to read everything for John Steinbeck. Yeah. And I would let them because that was, you know, that's where they were. And then that would, you know, they want to read, you know, Jane Austen or, or, and they would just read everything. And that to me was just exciting to see, you know, to learn o- or, um, along with them and then to see that fire underneath them. Um, that was, that's, that's still to this day exciting. Just to see those aha moments with them, to experience that with them, it's been, um, you know, such a great blessing.
0: I love yeah, that. We're good. not trying to,
2: yeah, no, please.
0: No, well, I'll just say just
1: the other thing you triggered was that we we were very jealous about them too, um, in terms of who's with them. Yeah. especially when they were younger. We had we got rid of all my televisions and trust. Me, I had a lot of televisions. <laughs> uh, there were the, the older ones, it's different now with the whole YouTube thing with the younger ones, but the older ones, they have no hunger or thirst for the television.
0: Mm, it yeah, just, there's no
1: have- TV habit in them, which me, I was that classic you know, 80s 90s kids just wrapped in the television. But so I'm saying we're jealous about the time so that the time to sort of listen to a book for an hour, you know, to give a narration after reading something, that kind of pacing and mental thing is, we would have been much more difficult, much more challenging to do that if they were watching, you know, the three favorite shows and TV from 7 to 10 p.m. And so I I think that's a big part of being able to do what what you do.
2: Yeah. And I think music too, has been a huge part uh, huge. of our homeschool. Our, all of our kids started on violin when they were little and, um, and three. Yeah. when they were, And that wasn't just, it was just, you know, it started off as being just a, you know, mommy and me class. And then it just kind of grew from there. It wasn't like, all right, you guys are going to do music. And, but when one started, the next one wanted to do what the older one was doing and the next one. So we just all started them, but in our oldest plays, the harp, the guitar, the violin. She even taught violin for a few years. And um, our, our next one sings, and she plays guitar and That's piano. And we have one that plays the flute and one plays the cello. And and it's not because we forced this on them or we told them you're going to do this. They love doing it. We we just exposed them to you know a lot of different things, and the music was just something they latched onto. Damon sings, and it's music has just been part of of our family. So with our younger ones, it's more of a challenge because maybe I'm running out of steam here, <laughs> but I, I'm not as, as diligent, but we're, um, we're starting again with them, with, with music, so, because I miss that, I miss having that in our home. <laughs> I, I love
0: this um, idea of not filling a bucket, but lighting a fire, because yeah. that's, I mean, that's really what makes a lifelong learner, is a, is a kid, yeah. you know, expresses interest in something, and goes for it. Our daughter's obsessed with bugs right now. So we bought a bunch of bugs books and we've just been looking through and we go hunting for bugs. She wants, you know, she's three and she is not scared of a cockroach and I am. And I love that, right? Because like for some reason she got yes. that gene from her biology teacher dad, but um, how does that translate to faith then? Cause like we can light the fire for bugs. We can light the fire for music and the secular world's going to say, yeah, like absolutely. But Catholicism is becoming very countercultural, and raising Catholic kids is not as, I, I don't know if it was ever easy, but we're seeing the statistics that kids are disaffiliating earlier and then never coming back, even when it's time to get married, which used to be, oh yeah, that's when I'm going to come back to the church. Cause I don't want mom to cry, but so you're in the throes of, you've got some older kids, you've got some younger kids. How do you light the fire of faith in them?
1: This is what we pray about. This yeah. is exactly what we pray about. And if we have any, you know, ungodly anxiety, it's around this issue. And, some of it I'm sure is it's not pure. And some of it's probably some pride in terms of, you know, being in ministry and, and loving the Lord so much and not wanting to be that stereotypical, you know, kid going off the rail kind of thing. But there's a lot of truth and older, wiser couples that have been part of our, our, our circle that, um, one, uh, kids are going to, they need to choose, uh, and they need to make a choice. It needs to be a conscious choice. Do I believe, and we have, we have, um, second level control over we don't have direct control but we look at each other and there've been nights we've gone to bed and said you know i don't know what this one is going to do i don't know what i'm not liking what i'm seeing and we have to look at each other and say you know what we have done everything that we we could possibly do we're, we're different now than we were 10 years ago 20 years ago we've grown but there was never a phase where we we did not model in a very intense way that we believe in jesus christ mm-hmm. we know him we love him he knows us He's introduced just to the father. We pray spontaneous. We pray the rote prayers, Latin, English, you know, not to be just, just to get them in this, in this naturalness of the faith that, you know, we're struggling to do, but it's real. So we have to do a lot of things out loud that you may presume may be in, in, in my, our own heads, but modeling that, you know, when something bad happens and everybody's around, you know, knowing that that reaction was a bad reaction, you know, and dad's called you'll let us come back and say, guys, I'm sorry. I just, I just would it. I lost it, but also recognize that over time. It's like, you know what, Lord, let's just pray. Let's just stop. What we're doing this. the Lord. We need, we need some intervention here. Um, you know, oh, would you just, would you say a prayer for, for Val? And, you know, and that kind of sort of, or then dad watching dad, you know, get down on his knees and just, just pray or pull his rosary out instead of just saying we're going to pray the rosary and, um, so I think there's modeling that's crucial, but in these older years, and our 23 is our oldest, um, we see signs and they have seeds of faith without a doubt, mm-hmm. but they are going to have to make decisions in a really, really evil world uh, that um, they really do believe by their, by their actions and by their will. That's dad talking. And this is the way that I talk to them. It's like, you're going to have to make a choice. And we see things in each of the kids that alarms us and delights us. And and it often surprises us when that happens. So, Mm
2: -hmm. uh, yeah, I think for me, you know, that was probably my primary motivation for um, homeschooling our kids. It was to be able to share our faith on a daily basis. So like Damon said, you know, we've done everything um, to expose them. You know, we, we go to adoration with them. And, um, you know, we go to mass together as a family and we pray together and we do all the things. Um, but, you know, the, they have they're developing their relationship with Christ and we have to be patient and allow that to develop. So, you know, we might think, oh, they should be over here. You know, we should, they should be at this point by now. And we have to be patient because God is is calling them. Um, but you know, taking taking our children, taking our girls to and our son to adoration and just saying, here Lord, this is your child, and yeah. and just trusting that God has them in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. And it to me it's just it's exciting to see the older ones where you know some of their choices, they're gonna make mistakes. <laughs> and um, I don't like that, but I have you know, I I've I have i am I have to come up become okay with that because that's how they learn and it's not because they don't know better but this is they they need to go out and do that mm-hmm. um, but it's exciting to me to be able to have conversations with him as a as a family about you know issues that are going on in the world and what what do, how do we live as Catholics and what's the catholic response to that because yes. the world's responses are so so strong and so you know pervasive they're they're out there and they get a lot of that but when they're home and they're like, well, but we've always done it this way or we, we believe this. So they're trying to figure out well, how do I live my faith out in the world? And they're going to make mistakes doing that. So we have to be okay with that and just constantly communicating to them that um, we love them. God loves them more and that um, you know you can come to us. You can come to us and that's it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. I mean we have we've had you know a couple of of our girls where they're doing things that you know I am not happy with and to be able to love them through that, I am just really struggling with that because how do you do that? You know, sometimes I can do it really well and other times you know, I look back on my own life. I said, you know what? I have not always been on the straight and narrow, but God was with me. God loved me through all of that. So I need to be able to, to model that. So I think in these later years, these teenage years and these young adult years, it's really just a lot more time in prayer. You know, as parents, we are just praying all the time, (laughs) all the time for them. And like Damon said, it's not because they don't know, they do know, And we have to trust in that. And we have to trust that God loves them and and God is going to take care of them. Um, And even if they're, you know, even if they're off the path for a while, you know, that's okay. God is still with them. And, you know, we want them to come back and we'll be praying for them. I love how um, Dr. Greg Popchik says that, you know, if faith is a source of warmth in your home, then your kids, there's a greater chance of your kids of staying Catholic. Mm-hmm. So we try to do that. You know, we have, you know, we have traditions. We have birthdays where we we go around and we say what we love about each child or, you know, we celebrate, you know, when they get their licenses. And we, you know, we we try to communicate that we love them and they're loved for, you know, who they are. Um, so we try to make, like Damon said, faith a, a natural part of, of what we do. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Yeah. Part of the ethos of the home, not just like the rigid, okay, these are the rules we follow because of what we believe that that hardens a kid. And if, if you want your grandkids to be Catholic, well, then you don't harden your kids to the faith, right? You, you encourage them.
2: Um, Yeah. Even if we're, you know, we're praying the rosary and, you know, to everybody else, yes, we do the rosary every night, but if the kids are not engaged,
1: we had to stop for a while because it was like, it was not, it was, they know it, but then it was like sort of that blank, becomes penance
0: <laughs>
2: and then yeah. they repent it oh. yeah. yeah
1: and then but it's interesting how but they close the their hearts
2: off too they'll close yeah. their hearts off to that they do right so we just you know we said you know switch it up we switch it up right or we <laughs> say you know you know what do you what did you see good in your sister today what did you say and just like you know let's what, what do you need prayers in for today and we just you know we we change it up that way just because we want to engage their hearts. that's what we want yeah
0: I I I'm learning a ton. I've got a string of notes on the side of my on my calendar on my desk because I've got a three year old who for some reason associates prayer with bedtime. So if you try to pray any other time of the day, immediate. Oh, I don't want to do that. And so no, we love Jesus at
2: two o'clock in the afternoon, not
0: just seven p.m.
2: That's great. I you know I'm
0: I'm encouraged as I mean we've only been married four years with with just two kids. I'm encouraged to hear that life in all of its ups and downs and the good times and the the bad times and the in between times that there's, there's still great joy. It's obvious that you enjoy being married to each other and you enjoy being parents, which is a huge part of married life to like each other. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of people that will listen to this series, at least, you know, some of my own friends that I know will listen, might kind of be at a point in their marriage or even in their parenting life where they, they feel just kind of, and we talked about this in the pre-interview, just kind of meh, just like not, they don't, they're not thriving, they're not enjoying their life, um, there are moments where they want to run, or there are just moments where they've just, they just have kind of mentally given up, and they're just going through the motions. Yeah. What's your encouragement then, and, and I love the name of your ministry, like a joyful ever after life together, what's, what's that one nugget of information that you would give to that couple to give them that encouragement? Uh,
1: those are so common,
2: mm-hmm. Katie.
1: And it is probably, if we go to the Catholic Marriage Summit and even to our, our Facebook page, which people are welcome to join, it's 26,000 couples mm-hmm. uh, exchanging on their 39,000 at the at the summit. And I mentioned that because of the maybe 65 presentations from couples and you'll know one of the spouses, um, to the one, there is this realization and across the board in terms of years of marriage that we can't do this alone,
0: mm.
1: that that isolation that's part of sort of the American ethos of, mm. of marriage and, and even life. Your family is your family unit, and you may move from town to town and city to city, and even if you're near your family, that's great, but really it's up to you. It's sort of this isolated, we call it an atomistic view of marriage and family. We're little atoms kind of bouncing off each other, and I think a lot of that fatigue, the exhaustion, the despair, the, the moments that all of us go through, we know them very well, mm-hmm. Some of it, there's all of the map. It could be you know, physical, physiological, it could be nutritional, it could be you know, illness, it could be hormonal, um, but it also could be very emotional and relational. So we, we know that we need a trusted community of people. It doesn't have to be 100. I mean, literally two couples, three couples that you really, you, you've allowed yourself and they give and receive you and, and you know, we call it being spiritually naked. You know, there's no pretense. How you doing? Fine. Good, good. How's it going? You don't do that. How's it going? Like, and you're not, it's just, it's not TMI. You're not, you know, without mm-hmm. any filter. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, you get to your wit's end. It's not the end. You know, I'm going to call, you know, Bill. And I'm going to be like, Bill, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. All right, come on. Let's go grab a coffee. You know, let's grab a good. You know, there's a, there's a sense that it's a community. So my first would be, you know, take a look and see one, uh, relationally, where are you? You may have a difficulty with your spouse, but how are you with the Lord? I mean, are you, are you able to ask God, say, Lord, are you here? I mean, I'm tired. And it, it really conversational, like a father we've never had, as we often say. But, um, and the other is friendships. You know, we're called to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's a threefold love, ourselves and others and God. And these times of exhaustion I found for me it has always been when I've pulled away. When I've tried my own self-reliance mm, uh-huh. to do things, when I think that I'm so smart and I am so knowledgeable and I'm so strong and gifted, and in the end, I'm exhausted because I've tried to pick up a boulder mm. when God said, walk around the boulder, you know, that, that kind of you know silly analogy, mm. but also to acknowledge that that fatigue is real and you're not bad because you're tired. Yeah. You're not bad and, and now out of God's will because you're at your wit's end and it's it's a time to begin. And begin again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And to do that begin again, not by your own bootstrapping, mm-hmm. but by restoring those foundational relationships. Really just coming to the Lord and saying, I'm done. I've got no power, mm-hmm. Lord, and I need you. I've got no willpower. Give me some, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to love this man. I don't know how to love this woman. Give me some love. And really, really in that despairing moment, that's a beautiful prayer.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. I love that about um, um, journeying with other people like-minded families and couples. And I would also add to that, you know, just looking at your own family and, you know, what's complicating <laughs> the issues. Are you, you know, I don't know now with the pandemic, but are you spread too thin? Are are there too many volunteer activities? Are there too many, you know, you're doing that and I'm doing this and the kids are doing that. And, and really look at what can you simplify and what can you do together as a family that's fun. Mm you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be religious, but what's fun? What brings your family joy? What do you like doing together as a family? Um, And maybe I would start with just husband and wife and like, Mm -hmm. how can we have fun together? What did we used to do (laughs) before we were married? And, (laughs) you know, how did you make me laugh? And how did I make you laugh? And and do that first, you know, get that, that marriage relationship Mm -hmm. solid, and then extend that to the kids and the family like, what can we do together and just shut out the noise of, of the world and social media and, and just focus on each other. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice just um, do something fun for the family and for your marriage relationship. Yeah, I love that both important practical
0: pieces of advice. Um, Damon and Melanie, where can we find out more about you guys, your family, what you're doing, hire you to come speak when we can do that again in this <laughs> <When> world. <laughs> come down again, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I want
1: to get on a plane ever again. So gonna be my but uh, our ministry joyful ever after really is our heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And we look at 25, 27 years in, in ministry here and there and natural planning and, and marriage prep and, and all kinds of other work. This is really a, a place that, that's bringing together everything that, God has revealed to us and more. And it's centered around that principle of of living in community, Mm -hmm. building a trusted community and learning together, not leading by catechesis, but leading by relationships. So joyfuleverafter.org. And I invite your listeners to even take a look at the Catholic Marriage Summit, which is part of that website as well. And um, take a look at some of the speakers and and, uh, grab the downloaded talks.
0: Definitely. We'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for your time.
1: Thank you. It was a blessing.
0: Thanks for having us. You might have noticed that I'm asking all the couples that question, right? What's your piece of advice? Um, Even the the newlyweds in the Sharapas episode got asked, what's your piece of advice? I think it's important. It's important to hear couples say, this is the thing that we wish somebody had told us, or this is the thing that we're doing that has maybe helped fix some of our problems, or this is the thing that's allowed us to thrive. I love their answers. Find community and and do something fun. Um, My husband and I are are very good friends with actually a a couple of people who are coming on the Ave live show in just a a couple of weeks. Um, And, you know, we kind of decided as as a, a couple group... Um, that we wanted to vacation together. We wanted to to bring our kids together to get an Airbnb uh, and, and to to just to fellowship with one another. It's not necessarily a fancy vacation. We're not going to a five-star resort. We're not passing the kids off to nannies. It's, it's just us hanging out in a house for a couple of days. We did that back in January in, in Little Rock. And had we known then what we know now, that it was probably the only fun thing we'd get to do in 2020, I, I think we might have extended the trip just a little more. But when we were driving home from Little Rock and they were headed back up to St. Louis, Missouri, you know, Tommy and I just kept saying, that was so good. It was so good to just be with another couple, to just be together uh, in fellowship. You know, I, I think that applies to everybody, every single person that's listening, every married person that's listening. If you've got kids, if your kids are grown, if you don't have kids, whatever state of life you're in, religious, priests, every single one of us thrives in community and, and thrives when we have fun. Maybe our Catholic family lives, whatever they look like, whatever versions they might be manifesting themselves as, right? Finding some community and finding some fun could really help us. As well as recognizing, especially for the moms and dads who are listening, like I said at the beginning, the million-dollar answer to the million-dollar question isn't force your kids to memorize the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments so they have a party trick. The answer is to entrust them to the Lord and to give witness to your own faith and to trust that God's got them. I know that might not be the most satisfying answer in the world as far as practicals are concerned. We actually have an article coming up about some of the practicals in the full Ave Explorer series. You can find all of that content over at AveMariaPress.com. Sign up for the weekly emails, get the articles, get the podcasts, get the videos, um, some really great stellar stuff. And I know I say that at the end of every episode. I know I sound like a broken record. um, But I I believe very deeply in what we've created and and what we're doing and, and the message that we're giving, which is hopefully... Families are called to holiness, and families can change the world. And here are some stories of families who I think are doing just that. Here at the end, I also uh, want to tell you about a new and exciting podcast we have in the Ave Maria Press family, Ave Spotlight. My good friend, Father Dennis Stratch, and I sit down every week for about 20 minutes. We interview a guest very quickly about a topic that they know a lot about. You know some of these guests, and you don't know some of these guests. They're people you might recognize as Ave authors and, and people who are just experts in their field. We ask them a few questions, and then, of course, Father Dennis and I visit a little bit about what's going on in our lives and what's going on in our different ministries and what's going on in the world it's called Ave Spotlight you can find it at avemariapress.com or wherever you get your podcasts we'd be grateful if you'd listen to this new little show that we've created for you and of course we'd be very grateful if you'd give us a rating and a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts Google Play or Spotify as always thanks for joining me this week thanks for listening to these awesome excellent guests go find them click down in the show notes and and research and learn a little bit about them and of course subscribe to Ave Explorers